turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. We continue our visit. Pastor Paul Shepard, Senior Pastor at Destiny Christian Fellowship of Fremont, along with First Lady Sister Meredith Shepard are with us today. And um, we mentioned earlier that Pastor Paul is going to be conducting a um, series on the Destined for Victory broadcast beginning next week, Monday the 29th through uh, Friday the 3rd, dealing with many of the issues that we're just touching kind of superficially today. So you want to make it a point to tune in for that Monday through Friday, 3.30 p.m. for Destined for Victory. And of course, you can also um, access the podcast that'll be available through Pastor's website at pastorpaul.net. That's pastorpaul.net. Constitution boldly claims that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And while we might argue that the country was founded with those words, I think it's perhaps important for us to acknowledge that it's not just that they are written or that we say them, but that we need to live them. And the reality is that for black Americans in this nation for 240, quick math, 42, 43 something years, this nation has not really lived up to what it stated as a belief in the United States Constitution. And that's what makes so much of this problematic, um, that we have issues that go back not just years or decades, but going on nearly three centuries of American history that we've not come to terms with. And Pastor Paul, I want to have you touch to uh, one of the the sort of um, igniting points that we've seen over the past several weeks, and that is Confederate statues or the flying of the Confederate flag. I, I was shocked to find out. I've I've done some touring of the East Coast, but not very heavily. The number of statues that this country paid to put up to honor the losing side of the Confederate War just makes no sense to me. And and I somebody the other day in conversation we were talking about this. Well, here's what I likened it to: you can imagine in Nazi Germany, post-war Germany, the argument that we should put up a statue to Hermann Göring who, after all, was a great flying ace of the First World War, flew with the Red Baron, decorated military uh, gentleman, ran the, the German Air Force, and contributed a lot to the nation. So why don't we put up a statue here and there in Berlin to his honor as if somehow we fully discount the heinous crimes that the man participated in that led to the lives of millions of people being lost. Well, if you made that argument in Germany today, they, they, they literally laugh you out of the country. Yet somehow we're here in the United States, we have no problem accepting statues that are being put up to honor people who believed in not only dividing this country in two, 
but doing so purely because they had the desire to own other people as property. I, I, help us understand that what seems to be not just a, a, a a moral disconnect there, but an intellectual and historical disconnect that seems to exist. Yeah, I, I think that's what's happening. Like like we said earlier, this this is a real tipping point, and uh, the uh, the murder of of uh, George Floyd was just just that. These kinds of things have been happening for decades, and certainly for those couple of centuries that you re- you refer to as we came through. Uh, slavery and then Jim Crow and then the new Jim Crow and then the civil rights struggle and all of that. But uh, now it's clear to people that this has been this has been systemically wrong for a long time, and we need to do something to make sure the system that created it is broken. That's what they're trying to do. How they're going about it isn't always right. I don't think it's always wise. But, um, you know, people will, if we are brave enough to have the kind of conversations with our politicians as well as in our churches, we can perhaps arrive at some points of agreement. Because I think the key, getting back to that whole um, unity thing and harmony thing, is we can't expect to all agree. One of the things I'll talk about in, in the messages next week is one of the keys to uh, harmony and to racial equality is sometimes we have to agree to disagree about certain matters, but what makes harmony work is while I'm playing a different note than the melody, I'm still uh, trying to help the, the melody sound as good as it can sound. And we've got to do that in the body of Christ. Um, so we need to have the courageous, courageous conversations. Um, and I don't think we solve the problem merely by tearing uh, these statues down. I think we solve the problem by looking at how can we how can we get to the root of the issues that allow these things to st- um, statistically to continue to happen. Uh, we saw recently uh, earlier this year uh, a young lady who was in a certain part of Central Park and uh, didn't have her dog on a leash, and a and a black guy was was bird watching, literally bird watching. And he said, you need to leash your, your dog, and she didn't like it. And um, for some reason, as, as they argued about her not having the dog under proper control, as was uh, w- required in that part of Central Park, she said, I'll just take out my phone and say a black guy is, is assaulting me and my dog. And she actually took it out. So he had the, he had the quick foresight, and he grabbed his phone and started recording her, and the reason why... Um, they didn't come and get him for this charge of assaulting was because he thought that way. I think we've just got to see these kinds of things happen because they've been, sadly, they've been successful in the past. But if the church will say, okay, let's have the conversations, even if we don't agree on every nuance, not everybody's going to agree that it's okay for some people to kneel while others are standing for the for the um, national anthem. That's That's I don't think everybody's going to get together on that, but at least let's say let's stand for an America that, as you said, Craig, really does live up to the words in the Constitution that all men are created equal. And I think we need to start being honest with ourselves. I mean, first off, I would concur with your point that, yeah, tearing down all the statues overnight... I get it, uh, although at the end of the day, that's not a problem. It's the symptom of the deeper yeah. problem. And if we just tear down a few statues and then call it a day, 
we're not going to really change anything. We need to discuss the deeper rooted problem. And, and one of the problems, and you refer to uh, the experience of Christian Cooper there in Central Park, is, is indicative of this. And that is that sometimes white America likes to play dumb, as if we don't understand what we're saying or doing or what's going on when there are degrees to which we are far more clued in than we want, but we just allow our flesh to get the better of ourselves. For example, when, when the woman in that case, Amy Cooper, not related, said, I'm going to tell them, meaning 911, that there's an African-American threatening my life, which clearly wasn't true. But the very fact that she phrased it that way demonstrated that she knew if she made a comment like that to the 911 operator, she knew that it was going to bring the cops with guns blazing. That was the outcome that she was hoping for. And and every attempt at apologizing on the backside of it, I I think, was, was, was fairly empty because her very language, her very words, demonstrated that she knew what she was doing. So maybe there's two problems here. That first off, we need to come we need to come clean here and admit that there are ways in which we engage in 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 subtle and not so subtle behaviors that are that are quite clearly racial or prejudicial, and then secondarily sit down and have the conversation so that we can learn about the other ways in which we are that we're just you know uh, because we're either blind or not looking or never thought about it or just being insens- insensitive never fully realized. Like Sister Shepherd mentioned a moment ago, the, the, the friend who said, you know, there's some of this I don't get. Can you help me understand? And, and, and that maybe can go the furthest toward helping us bring about that sense of harmony, particularly in the church, because we need to sit down and have the conversation. And, and maybe it begins with, hey, don't think just because the slaves were emancipated or we've largely done away with Jim Crow laws or what have you, that that somehow has ended so much of the subtlety that is endemic towards racial prejudice in this country, because it, it, the truth of the matter is that it simply hasn't. That's really true. And I, I um, am very clear when I get to do conferences and have a lot of uh, white believers in the audience, I'm really clear that, the, um, that you all don't need to walk in white guilt, because Christ sets you free and you need to walk in your freedom. But with freedom, for all of us, comes different types of responsibility. And so I, for one, don't want to see white guilt. I don't want people... Uh, languishing behind those kinds of emotions. I want people to be free, but part of that freedom is let me stand with my brothers of color, brothers and sisters of color, that when they're facing some real challenges, that they can see other believers are standing with them. One of the things I've noticed with the protests throughout the country and different places of the world is how racially diverse the protesters are. It's been pretty uh, outstanding to me Uh, to see that a lot of, especially these generations that we hope to win, they they really get it that God um, is the God of diversity when it comes to uh, cultures, and we need to embrace that and celebrate that. And so we're seeing, um, I I hope your your listeners are aware that uh, in America today, there are six full generations alive, so we're never going to get on the same page in terms of 
seen life alike. Not only we who are baby boomers, I'm a baby boomer, uh, born between 1946-1964, but after that you had Gen X, and after that you had the Millennials or Gen Y, and now we've got Generation Z. We call them Zoomers now. And these are the kids who are, some of them aren't yet, they're, they're not at voting age yet. They're coming up on it. Some of them are, but most are not. But they're very active. They're active online, and they promote their causes, be they right or be they wrong. They promote them. And so we've got to learn, these are the people who are watching us, so we've got to set the right example so that they know uh, what they ought to be doing. And I, I hope that... And there's some... Go, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, and I hope that the body of Christ rises to the challenge of saying, since we've got to raise these Zoomers and, and, and uh, the generations coming, we might as well say, let them see us um, with our light for Christ shining brightly and with the love of him so that it will really make a difference in this world. Amen, because there's so much at stake here, and it's not just the matter of racial reconciliation, though that is critically important, um, but it's the heart and soul of a nation. And each one of these individuals that do not know Christ, um, we're called upon to be witnesses. We're also called upon to bear one another's burdens. And the church needs to do a better job at that, I'm afraid. There's some big challenges before us, to be sure, and, and, and I, 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 I almost feel that I need to be apologetic here in that this is like an, uh, the onion that has so many layers to it of complexity that even in the course of an hour and 15 minutes, we've not begun to touch the surface. I can tell you that Pastor Shepard will go deeper uh, without me or commercials interrupting him <laughs> as he starts this new teaching series that will begin on Monday, and uh, we invite you to tune into the Destined for Victory broadcast for that each weekday at 3.30 p.m. here on KFAX. Um, as we conclude our time, um, takeaways are important. Sister Meredith, I want to thank you for being with us today uh, and uh, you know the, the challenge of dealing with two guys who talk for a living. <laughs> but I, take, take a moment, if you would, um, from your heart. You're, you're not only First Lady of Destiny Christian Fellowship, the wife of a pastor. You're a mother. You're now a grandmother. You've let that story out of the bag here, that cat out of the bag. Uh, what are some of the takeaways for you? Uh, for the audience that's listening right now, and it's diverse and mixed, what do you want them to hear from a mother's heart, a wife's heart, a first lady's heart, and a grandmother's heart? I think we've kind of covered it. I think these types of conversations are necessary, and it takes courage. We're not going to come to any conclusions in a single conversation, but it's courageous, and it is a bold beginning. So talk to your friends. Open up your heart. Share stories. Dig beyond the surface. And like my friend, ask, what's it like being you. What's it like for you, especially if you're non-white, if, if you're non-black and you're talking to black people, ask them, what's it like? It's a difficult conversation. We shed tears as we talk, but I thanked her so much for having the courage to ask and then the willingness to listen. I think that'll not only be educational and eye-opening, but uh, there's a sense that I have that that can pour a lot of that healing balm on the water, so to speak. 
And it's a conversation that's so far overdue. And, I, you know, if this were four months ago, I would say invite a friend out to coffee. Probably can't do that just yet. But you can certainly hop on the phone and when time and, and the pandemic circumstances permit to, to do so, break bread together, do so over a cup of coffee, but at least get that conversation started. And it wouldn't hurt if you picked up the phone or had a conversation with a friend, a neighbor, somebody that you work with, somebody that uh, goes to your church. And just as Sister Meredith suggests, ask the question, what's it like being you? Tell me your story and, and what have you had to endure? And then, let me give some advice as they begin to talk. Just shut up and listen. Pastor Shepard, same question for you. Uh, Again, so many layers of complexity, and we're looking forward to your series of messages on the Destined for Victory broadcast next week when you get a chance to go deeper on this. But but for you at, 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 at this juncture, what's the important takeaway that you want our listeners to walk away with? I, I want everyone to understand this whole thing we've drilled down on in our conversation. It's not about unison. It's not about exact sameness. God didn't even want that, or else he'd have made us, he'd have made us look alike. We'd all came from this. We'd, we'd look alike no matter where we came from on the, on the continent or on the globe. Uh, we're different complexities. We're different um, races. We're different cultures. We have difference abounding but difference doesn't have to create division in fact it shouldn't create division anybody who's married knows that it's a really good thing that you didn't marry somebody like you so you know why get mad that women have some sensitivities that the average man doesn't have that's exactly why god um, made them male and female. Difference is supposed to create harmony. And in the same way, when it comes to this racial conversation, we've got to embrace the differences. But it means you've got to do the hard work of accepting each other as equals, understanding people's uniqueness. I'll talk about that next week. Especially, uh, I'll talk about the need to agree to disagree respectfully, because there are times when we're just not going to um, see a certain issue the same way and so we can it's okay to disagree just make sure you're respectful when you do it i think god's going to help us if we're open he's going to help us use this time in our world and with these two tipping points going on simultaneously to advance the cause of christ that's my prayer anyway yeah and you know you have to wonder in in god's greater plan we know that the enemy does things to to uh, destroy us God will take those things of the enemy and use them for his glory, for his good. And and certainly as we look at the tragic loss of life in this nation and across the world and the suffering related to the pandemic, equal to the suffering that's been taking place in the black community in America here for all of these um, centuries, as I indicated earlier, uh, in, in spite of all of the pain that is taking place simultaneously, Perhaps as we pause here, we've got a little extra time on our hands, we can do some introspection. So many Americans over the course of the last two and a half, three months have suddenly come face to face with their own mortality. That even young people that generally are feeling invincible and don't really focus on some matters, such matters, are now suddenly asking questions about, gee, what if I die? What does that look like? Where do I go? What happens? What an opportunity before the church to step in and provide some answers.
to that all-important question. Even still, what a great opportunity for the church. We who have benefited so much of what it means to experience the most important reconciliation, that between ourselves as the creation and God as creator, that through that bridge called Jesus Christ we have experienced forgiveness and are able to walk in fellowship with the very God of the universe. If we can experience that kind of reconciliation, how much more then is it incumbent upon us to demonstrate what reconciliation on the horizontal plane looks like? And as Pastor Shepard says, no, we're probably not going to come to agreement in terms on absolutely everything. But in those great things, let us work toward striking that chord, finding that harmony. And it begins with the conversation and the dialogue, that this should not be just a one-time experience like mass shootings in America that happen and we all grieve and we argue and we discuss about Second Amendment rights and gun control and people talk about giving their support through things like our thoughts and prayers and then in a matter of weeks and months it all fades by the wayside and we've suddenly forgotten what upset us so much in the first place and the families that have lost loved ones are left to deal with the outcome of the tragedy and we'll go about our business as if nothing ever really happened. Let's not repeat that mistake here. If anything, since the early 90s in the Rodney King situation has taught us, and that is that the ensuing 25-something years, we've not come that far. We have a lot of work to do. So let's be about doing that work, not just for the sake of the union, but most importantly for us as believers, for the sake of the gospel. I'd like to thank Pastor Paul Shepard for being with us tonight, along with uh, First Lady Sister Meredith Shepard from Destiny Christian Fellowship. That series that we've referred to will begin next Monday and run through the entire week each afternoon at 3.30 p.m. on the Destined for Victory broadcast. You can find out more, too, about um, Destiny Christian Fellowship here in the Bay Area and uh, the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Shepard. A couple of new books out written by both the Sister Meredith and Pastor Paul. Details available on the web at pastorpaul.net. That's pastorpaul.net. I'd like to thank both of you for being with us, and, and hopefully uh, we'll do this again soon, and uh, and hopefully even sooner we'll get a chance to uh, to do each other, uh, do this conversation face-to-face. Pastor Paul, Sister Meredith, thank you so much for being with me. All right, 6.20 on the clock. Let's get you an update on traffic right now. We'll head over to the KFAX Traffic Center for the latest. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.